0: Welcome to the Alpha Course. Great to have you all here tonight. Uh, Welcome for all of you who are watching live stream. We welcome you as well. People have been raving about dinner here tonight, so I hope you've been taken care of at wherever you are having dinner together. So tonight is the first session of the Alpha Course. and My name is Frank Loria, and I have the privilege of hosting the Alpha Course uh, along with uh, Keith Collins, the senior pastor here. This Alpha marks the 37th time at Lakeview that we have had the privilege of hosting Alpha. If not for Hurricane Katrina in 2005 and Hurricane uh, COVID in 2020, and uh, this would be our 39th Alpha. And uh, tonight, for those of you who are here, who are here, those of you who aren't here, typically this room would have anywhere between 200 and 230 people in the room. And uh, for obvious reasons, that's not possible. So we have around 50 or so people here tonight, and we're glad you're here. And we're, again, glad you're watching live stream. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about me, then I'll tell you a little bit about the history of the Alpha Course. Where is that, what that is, um, and why I believe it's, you're going to find it's going to be worth your while to join us, hopefully for the next nine weeks or any numbers of weeks that you can be a part of the course, um, First, a bit about me. I own a a small professional search firm uh, just across the the way there in Metairie. Uh, My wife and I, last Sunday was our 41st year of being at Lakeview Christian Center. They haven't figured out a way to get rid of us yet. Um, But we have attended Lakeview with our kids, as I said, for quite a while and... uh, I want to introduce to you, uh, sorry for those of you who are watching online, you're not going to be able to see how gorgeous my wife is. I thought about putting up a slide here, but she would not appreciate that. But uh, that is my wife, Net, Sweetheart. If you'll just wave everybody to stand up. There she is. Um, she deserves a much greater applause than that. But uh, if you only know, yeah. If, yeah. If you only knew what I'd put her through, um, but she is my bride of 42 years, seven months, uh, 21 days, uh, but eight hours, uh, seven minutes. We have uh, three grown children who are married to three other grown children. Um, they have given us uh, 11 and soon to be 12 grandchildren. Uh, both Annette and I grew up in uh, New Orleans. Annette went to Dominican. I don't know if there are any other Debs here, but uh, no, no other Debs here. So Sweetheart, you were the lone Deb here. I, I went to an all-boy military school called uh, New Orleans Academy. Uh, I graduated in the top 18 of my class uh, of 21. Um, and um, I chose not to pursue a college education, so I attended Louisiana State University. Um, <laughs> For, for all you LSU grads, and I know there's some professors watching tonight, that, that is just a joke. I'm sure it's more than that. But anyway, but that LSU is where I met Annette uh, at the fraternity party, first fraternity party. I met her swinging from a chandelier. And, and really, that's where she caught my eye uh, with her heel. And then uh, her knee on my shoulder, down we went, and and she's been all over me ever since then, uh, It's really not true, but I like telling it that way. Um, So uh, you'll get more about me if you can endure the next couple of weeks. But um, the Alpha Course actually started back in London in 1977 when the pastor of Holy Trinity Brompton Anglican Church in London, England took this little church-wide Bible study called Alpha and turned it into something that today has been in over, is is taught in over 130 countries in over 100 languages. Over 25 million people have attended the Alpha course. And we've had the privilege, as I said, of having Alpha here since 2001, literally the week to the day after the towers went down in New York. Um, And over those 20-plus years, we have had the opportunity of hosting over 8,000 people here at Lakeview. So typically, as I said, This is a full room of people, and hopefully soon that can happen again. Well, first let me tell you what Alpha is not. Alpha is not an attempt to get you to change your denomination or the church you go to, not try to indoctrinate anybody into what this church teaches. Uh, It's not a church membership drive, not a sneaky way to get into your pocket. It's free, but it's really not free. We're going to find some way to get your money. None of that is going to happen. This is what Alpha is Not, But Alpha is an invitation to do this. And we need to do this. It's an invitation to think. To think, to talk, and to listen in a totally relaxed atmosphere, non-threatening atmosphere, where you can ask questions and say things that just really feel free just to enjoy this time and enjoy getting to know people around you. And and when I'm done here tonight, that's what we're going to have an opportunity to do. When I'm done, we're just going to sit around our tables and just talk a little bit about the topic of the evening, see what you thought about that. So, But what's going to have to happen is in the midst of our 100-mile-an-hour lives, we're going to have to tap the brakes or hit the pause button uh, and think about questions of life that really need answers. They're important questions. And it's going to be an opportunity, as as I said, to think about What do do I believe? Why do I believe it? A lot of us understand or we think we know what we believe, but if we're challenged on that, do we really have an answer for that? Why do I not believe what I do not believe? And things like that. So you're going to enjoy this time. Most people say that the time after when you're talking around the tables, we're talking around the tables and hopefully you'll be doing the same thing. At home, it's really the most fulfilling time because that's when we really get an opportunity to kick ideas back and forth around and our thoughts with one another. And but as I said, as I said to do that, it's going to take time, questioning and examining what we believe. And it was Socrates that said the unexamined life is not worth living. You know, if we're going to attain what most of us say we want in life, you know, most people—if you ask them, what do you want in life? The answer will be happiness, meaning, purpose, fulfillment. Uh, but where does that come from? How does that happen? Uh, you know, we're going to have to, again, for that, examine, well, does what I believe, is it, is, it, is it filling the cup? Is it doing what I believe is going to make me happy, fulfilled, or give life meaning? And for that to happen, as I said, Uh, I'm so glad that you guys are taking the time for us to do that and to to spend this time together where we can really thoughtfully think through the most important questions that life has to offer. Uh, Here's an insightful thought, kind of a long thought from a guy by the name of Oz Guinness. Um, He wasn't the creator of of the beer, I don't think, but... um, This is what he said. He says, most of us, and and really hear this here. It's a long quote, but it's worth listening to. Most of us feel immortal in our teens and 20s, if we even remember them. Then move through life so fast in our 30s and our 40s that we lose sight of the journey and think only of our careers. Even in our 50s, we barely hear the roar of the rapids, several bends down the river. It goes quick, doesn't it? It goes quick. He says, have you awakened to the journey of life? Or are you among those drifting down the years or flying through the years? Are you among those so caught up on the project of themselves that they choose not to hear the flow of time? Are you living an examined life? Or are you living in the hand-me-down ideas of others? Are you open to the full interrogation of life? Or are you closed the search because you believe what you've always believed without question i grew up this way i believe this way and that's what i'm going to be hopefully we'll be thinking through some of those things as well now you know who wouldn't think that those who made it to the top of their trade would have those questions. You know, people who have reached the pinnacle would have questions about meaning or purpose of life. But apparently, they do. Here's, here's Shia LaBeouf. Many of you know, know, have heard of Shia LaBeouf, made it big with the Transformer movies and all that stuff. This is what he said. He said in an interview with Parade Magazine, he said, Sometimes I feel I'm living a meaningless life, and I get frustrated. I, I know I'm one of the luckiest dudes in America right now. I have a great house. My parents don't have to work. I got money. I'm famous, but it could all change, man. It could go away. You never know. I don't handle fame well. Most actors on my, on most days don't think they're worthy. I'm not so sure about that, but um, I have no idea where this insecurity, this insecurity in me, comes from. But it's listen what he says: a god-sized hole. If I knew, I'd fill it. And I'd be on my way. Interesting. Some of us recognize this guy from a few years ago, many years ago. He was interviewed by, by 60 Minutes. And he says, why do I have three Super Bowl rings? And I think he has like 40 now. Huh? Does he have... Um, and still think there's something greater out there for me. Okay, this is Tom Brady. I got seven. I think he's got seven, if I'm not mistaken. I still think there's something greater out there for me. I mean... Maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life, me. I think God has got to be more than this. I mean, this isn't, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. Then Steve Cross, who's interviewing him, said, well, well, what's the answer? Brady's response was, I, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I love deflating footballs. Now, uh, <laughs> That, that's Keith's joke, but I have to steal it because it's so good. It's so good. Um, I I love. In, what, what did I say? What did I say? Okay. I love playing football, and I love being quarterback for this team. Well, until he got to be the quarterback for the team we hate even more now. than Tampa Bay. They may end up being worse than Atlanta. You know, when this is all said and done. Okay. I love that, but at the same time, look what he says. At the same time, I think there are a lot of parts about me that I'm trying to find. Ted Turner. Um, Here's Ted Turner here. Here's Ted Turner today. Uh, Then he he probably still wishes he... Okay. But $2.2 billion this guy's worth. This is an interview with Barbara Walters, and, and he asked Ted, what do you mean by success? What to you is successful? Good question. He replied, I think it's kind of an empty bag. To tell you the truth, you have to get there to really know that. Money doesn't buy happiness, and neither does honors or positions, awards, trophies. It's an empty bag. You think you got it, and you put your hand in there, and it's nothing. One of the craziest men to ever live on the planet that most people know, Jim Carrey, uh, said... I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of, so they can see that it's not the answer. Fascinating. Uh, Ralph Barton was a political cartoonist, and uh, back in the 1930s, 20s, and 30s was his heyday of being of being known as a cartoonist. He wrote, "I have had few difficulties, many friends, great successes." I've gone from wife to wife, he actually had four wives, and from house to house, visited great countries of the world, but I'm fed up with inventing devices to fill up 24 hours a day. Now that was Ralph Barton's suicide note that he left on his pillow when they found him. His philosophy of life was, I've done everything there is to do, I can't think of anything else to do, so there's no reason for me to take up space on this planet anymore that's what he believed hmm. David was a, uh, Kalish was the head of the uh, while well back the head of philosophy department at UCLA and this is what Kalish said, now hear this, it's kind of prof- professor talk so um, he says there is no system of philosophy to spin out okay philosophy is a framework by which we make sense of life we believe what we believe because that's what makes life make sense he says there are no ethical truths there are just clarifications of particular ethical problems. Take advantage of these clarifications and work out your own existence. You're mistaken to think that anyone ever had the answers. There are no answers. Be brave and face up to it, and go look for Ralph Barton's gun. Uh, no, that was I added that part. But um, but you see that this is interesting. With all due respect to Dr. Kalish, he truly contradicts himself. When he says that there are no answers, but to say that there are no answers is in fact an answer to the question, are there any answers? Then the professor also said that life has no purpose, but he made it his his life's purpose to tell people that life has no purpose. Well, what are his credentials? What are Dr. Barton's credentials to put upon you and me a philosophy of life that says you who are seeking answers there are no answers. Well, the Bible, which I had never read, does claim to have essential answers. Now, the question is, are those answers correct? And one of the things that I want to, we're going to talk about here in the Alpha course, and I, you'll hear me say this many times, do not believe a word I'm telling you. Don't believe a word I'm telling you. Okay? check it out yourself when when alpha is a course it is an introduction to what does the bible say and most of us for the most part really don't know what the bible said i didn't even know what a bible was until i walked onto the campus of lsu was skipping a class and I, which i did often but but i and somebody handed me this little green book well and i will typically ask this question i'll ask you this question tonight and I'll ask people to raise their hands, but you don't have to do this. But typically, picture 220, 30 people in this room, and I ask the question, how many of you grew up reading or studying the Bible? Maybe even examining the Bible. Now, in a room of 200 to 230 people, I never get any more than 10 to 11 at the most hands, sometimes as little as five. So... I mean, I'm getting less than 5%, 2 2.5% said they even know what's in the Bible, which is fascinating. Uh, and, and in a way, it's kind of exciting because it this Alpha Course, for as many weeks as you come, you will find out more about the Bible maybe than you've found in your entire life. And I, I guarantee you the answers to the questions are worth taking the time to listen to. But again... It's your decision. I'm going to report. You're going to decide. I I like that. Maybe I've heard that somewhere before. I'm not sure. So, so that's the question. Did you grow up reading the Bible? Do you even know what's in the Bible? I didn't. I had no idea what it what even was. So, answers to questions as to origin, purpose, and destiny. Where did I come from? Why am I here? What is my purpose? Where am I going when I die? I knew nothing of this. But the Bible claims that God made us built into you and me is this intrinsic hunger for purpose, meaning, a sense of belonging, sense of care and being wanted. It's in us. And again, as I said, I'm not asking you to believe it, but it's what it says. And if it is true what Jesus Christ stated about himself... That he said, I have come that you may have life abundantly. Meaning, fulfillment, purpose, belonging abundantly. If that is true, then that would be something worth examining. But to believe that requires faith. Are you a person of faith? Uh, Do you have faith? You say maybe not much. But understand this, we exercise faith all the time. Faith is not necessarily religious. They did something we exercise all the time. Did you get in your car to come here tonight? Sure. Did you know for a fact that you were going to get here? Well, but you expected to get here, didn't you? But you expected that when your light turned green and the other ones turned red, that they would not go. You could go through an intersection because they had a stop sign. And I've looked at some of the cars out in the parking lot tonight, and some of you exhibited much more faith than others by the cars that I've seen parked out there. But... But it's faith, nonetheless. It's faith, nonetheless. You ever watch the weather, looking to find out what's going to happen? Do you really, that, that's an exercise in faith. I, I think it's an exercise in faith. I mean, these guys have no clue, I don't think, what's going on. No clue. And I think there should be a law that says if you miss so many weather reports, if you just get it wrong, you just, you just get locked up. You just get taken out. You know, if you miss another rain cell, you go to a jail cell. I, I just think that makes perfect sense. Because how many picnics of yours have they ruined? Oh, I I just think meteorologists is something you pull out of a box of Cracker Jacks and you get a... I, now, if there are any of you meteorologists out there watching, I I went to LSU. I can spell L-S-U. So that's about it. So just kidding. This is where I get in trouble. but um, But so... Faith, right? Faith, nonetheless. Um, did any of you, did you enjoy your meal tonight? Did you enjoy? I heard a lot of you complain. Did any of you meet the chef? I mean, did you have any idea what kind of mood the chef was in tonight? But you guys just ate. And I noticed some of you ate and ate and ate. And so, but, but you didn't meet the chef. You didn't know anything about the chef. You know, you don't know what kind of day he had. You don't know, you know, you said, you know, I'm sick to death of cooking this alpha food all the time for these people they don't know who i am they don't care about me and they just maybe lace the food put a little extra something in there and then tonight tonight you go home and you're like uh, what is this and um and so you call up the doctor right and is so is this the doctor that you're gonna go see are you gonna go s- okay well for those of you from new orleans you know who this is if you're old enough you don't know who this is you're really young but you need to know this guy so, but you know, you're not going to just go to any doctor, are you? But you go to a doctor in faith. You're not going to go to a doctor who's got a trailer park and a trailer park on airline highway. I hope you're not going to do that. But, but it's faith. You go to a doctor in faith. You go to a restaurant in faith. You do these things in faith. And I mean, you get on, anybody ever fly? How many of you enjoy flying? Just, oh, love flying. Well, good for you. That's good. Um, <laughs> Death wish is over here. But, um, you know, but you you fly. Not, now, what about the people that got on uh, U.S. Air flight 1549? Leaving LaGuardia Airport, heading to, to, uh, to uh, where were they going? Charlotte. And um, on the way, they had a little bit of a problem. I mean, it's interesting that, I mean, U.S. Air did not charge them anything else. Any, anything extra for their being able to to do this. I mean, how many, how many people actually get to stand in 35 degree water with 18 degree temperatures? Wouldn't you pay for extra for that? Have your life flash before your eyes? Of course I would do that. But uh, it just brings me new meaning to flying on a wing and a prayer because that's, that's what they did. 155 passengers. And you know what happened? I mean, the plane was, was uh, ascending and when And this was an immigration issue. Did you know this was an immigration issue? Because it was a gaggle of Canadian geese. They were undocumented Canadian (laughs) geese that flew right through this plane. But they got on that plane in faith and wow, what a miracle, right? I don't know if any of you, most most of us have heard about this as well. But it was faith. Everything in life is faith. And we need to see that. Faith is not just a religious thing. It's something we practice all the time. But this is what we don't do. And what we should not do is throw our brain away when it comes to faith. Faith does not have to be blind. So if you go into a court of law, anybody that served on a jury pool before, or been on a jury before? I've been on a jury before. And the judge says to you, I, you know, to the, ju- to the jury, I, he charges us to come to a decision based upon the evidence. He doesn't say beyond a shadow of a doubt, or she doesn't say beyond a shadow of a doubt. It says beyond a, do you remember the word? Reasonable doubt. You look at the evidence, you examine the evidence, and come to a faith, reasonable decision. And it's fascinating, too, that, you know, uh, even when you look at the Bible... Believe it or not, this is what it says, that God says, I want you to love me with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He doesn't want us to check our brain at the door. He's given us, if what the Bible says is true, he's given us a brain to use thoughtfully and humbly. Now, so I ask the question, how many of you believe there's something on the other side of your last heartbeat? You believe it's going to be good, you're going to believe it's going to last forever, If I asked you that question, how many of you believe there's something on the other side of your last heartbeat? You believe it's going to be good and you believe it's going to last forever. Now, I asked earlier how many of you grew up reading or studying the Bible. Very few hands went up. Do you remember that? My 200 room, 11. Well, I asked that question. How many of you believe there's something on the other side of your last heartbeat that's going to last forever? Do you know how many hands go up? Virtually every, not every, but virtually every hand in the room goes up. I got 200 plus hands going up in the room. And my question then is, why do you believe that? Because your grandmother told you? Because your priest told you that? Your pastor told you that? But you just feel that way? Why do you believe that? But it's such an interesting and such an important question. Is there something on the other side of your last heart? And most of us believe that, but we don't necessarily know why. Let me just give you a little example here. If this was... If, if we weren't live streaming right now, you would see a big, long tape measure. But for the sake of, of this, um, this, little, this right here, we're just going to call this physical life from here to here. And most of you here can see that, I hope. I think you can see it if you're watching. So here's the beginning of life. Here's the end of life. And every one of us is along the continuum of life somewhere. We don't have any idea. I mean, this could be it. You don't know that. But each of us is along the continuum of life somewhere. And we all know this. The death rate is 100%. Nobody gets out of here alive. At some point in time, we're going to hit the end. And the dash, we'll just call this the the dash of life is over. And you will enter into... Remember, do you believe there's something on the other side of your last heartbeat that's going to last forever? Well, let's just say... I'd like to put this down here for a second. And let's just say... Yeah, so this is the line. This is what happens on the other side of your last heartbeat. And we all say we believe there's something on the other side of our last heartbeat that's going to last forever. Now, what's going to be there? Do you know? Are you sure? But here's the question that I wonder. This is going to last a lot longer than this, if what we believe is true. And actually what the Bible says is true. Why do we spend so much time critically examining things that are going to last for very little time at all? Okay, uh, where are we going to vacation? We'll spend months trying to figure out, get the best prices. Uh, Where are we going to go to school? What part of town are we going to live in? What kind of car are we going to get? Uh, Where are we going to uh, honeymoon? Where are we going to... Do this, and God forbid we get the wrong cell phone policy and get stuck in that for two years. You know, those are things, these are, these are essential questions. Um, so we think at the time, don't we? But like this, they're gone. So why do we spend, if we believe there's something that's going to last forever, why do we do so much critical examination into things that are going to last such a little bitty bit of time? and give no question to this. Do you see that? Does that make sense? I, don't, I think everyone is to say, no, maybe I need to spend a little bit more time thinking about this. And what the Bible says is this, if you get this right, if you understand God's plan in this, this will make a whole lot more sense, even in the midst of the hell that's being dealt out into your life, maybe right now. You'll find that if you this makes more sense and you spend more time thinking about these things, you'll find that in life now, the things of life, as crazy as they may seem, make a whole lot more sense than they do without understanding that. So, living in the dash for the line makes a lot of sense and we're going to be Again, I just made a statement that's going to take some unpacking, and that's what we're going to be doing during the the weeks that we have together. There's a pastor by the name of Ray Pritchard. I I love this quote that that Ray Pritchard gave us. He says, we were made, talking about humans, we're made to know God. We are incurably religious by nature. That's why every human society, no matter how primitive, has some concept of a higher power, some vision of reality that goes beyond the natural. Hmm. And then C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis was an, was an atheist. He was, a, he was a professor of ancient English literature at Oxford and Cambridge. Uh, came to become a follower of Jesus Christ. You guys have heard of the, the, the Chronicles of Narnia. They've been made into books, been made into movies, and many other things. This is what Lewis had to say. Once he became a follower of Jesus in his book... Um, uh, mere Christianity. He said, "If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world." See what he's saying here is, if I can find, if I find in myself a desire in the dash, which which no experience in the world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is I wasn't actually made for this world ultimately that's a fascinating thought something worth some consideration Augustine who was you know we know him as Saint Augustine um, or if it's grass I was told Saint Augustine I don't know what the difference is but um, but Augustine was like the Hugh Hefner of the 300s I mean this guy was a a philanderer Uh, I mean he was something but he too became a follower of Christ and this is, this is what Hefner, I mean Hefner, Hefner, this is not what Hefner said. I don't think so. At least I haven't seen this. Actually, I would have no way of knowing, sweetheart, in case you were wondering. Okay, um, let's go to the next slide. Um, so what he's saying is you, meaning God, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. I think restless is a great word to describe life, life in the dash. But how much more is restless a word to describe in life in the dash in 2020, in 2021, in 2022? We, we don't know, do we? But this is the truth. If God did make us for himself and we're choosing everything but him, then our hearts would be Restless. Until we found our rest in Him. Do you see what I'm saying? If that's true, our hearts would be restless until we found that our peace and our joy would be found in Him. Something to consider. Not asking you to believe it. Just consider. So, we just seem as humans to have a difficult time finding our way, and and that's the Bible's defense of the incarnation of the Son of God. Why Christ came? It's interesting that. Um, so I'm going to pull right pull right now just one snippet of Scripture, a quote that Jesus said, because I think this is so important. I ho- I hope you'll find that to be the case as well. Jesus said this. He said, "I am the way, and the truth, and the life." Now, that's a fascinating statement. Jesus didn't say, I am a way or a truth or a life. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Here it is. See, the true or false. We'll talk much more about that uh, next week. But, and he said that no one comes to the Father except God the Father through him. So he said, now catch this. He said, I am the way. He didn't say, he didn't say that the rules are the way, or the laws are the way, or that church attendance is the way, or do-gooding is the way, or praying is the way, he is saying that I am the way. He's making a statement about us and our restlessness and God and finding peace in him, finding rest in him, that it's knowing him is the way. Jesus understood the condition of each and every one of our hearts, restlessness. I mean, think about this. See if any of, these quali- any of these words connect with you. Restless, unsettled, wayward, empty even. In John 6, 30, John, well, John 6 35, this is what Jesus says. The Gospel of John, the 6th chapter, the 35th verse. Jesus said to them, again, I am the bread... Of life, he who comes to me will never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. You see what Jesus is saying here, he says, I'm the bread of life. What do you eat bread for? Because you're hungry. Say, what he's saying is, I fill your emptiness. And he says, Who comes to me? He didn't say, He who goes to church, nothing wrong with going to church, I'm not saying that. But going to church to go to church is an exercise in restlessness. Going to church to meet with Jesus, according to what Jesus says, is a completely different thing. He's not a God of organization. He's not a God of structure. He's not a God of do this, don't do this, do that, don't do that. He's a God who says, I want you to come to me so that in knowing me, you know me. And from knowing me comes what you know of life. He who comes to me will never hunger, and he who believes we're going to spend a lot of time in the next coming weeks on what does that word "believe" mean? We need to know what that word "believe means. It's an important word. He who believes in me shall never thirst." He's not talking about physical thirst. he's talking about, "My life feels like I am parched in terms of meaning, purpose, fulfillment.". Mm. So here's the, we're, in, we're going to be in the Gospel of John again here. John chapter 10. Jesus says here again, I am, this is three times now. I am the way, I am the bread, uh, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. Saved from what? Okay, saved from what? Well, saved from wandering and going the wrong way. You go through the door, you've entered someplace. And this is what he says here. Be safe and go in and go out and find pasture. Now, you think about that for a minute. Go in and go out and find pasture. I mean, this is a picture of being satisfied. This is a picture of him bringing to us satisfaction and security. You're, you're in. You've come to him. You've entered the door, which he says he is the door. And he said, I've come that they might have life and have it abundantly. And then finally, Jesus also—sorry, not finally—but Jesus said, "I am the truth." That some would, some may ask, you know, particularly in the in the realm of religion, isn't it enough to just be sincere about what you believe? You've, you've heard that, I'm sure. It just isn't it just enough to be sincere? And I think that's—it's good to be sincere. Um, but you can be sincere and be sincerely wrong, right? I can believe I'm correct, but believe it with all my heart, and and be completely wrong. Does sincerity really have anything to do with right or wrong? I think it does. And when I say I think it does, it doesn't in terms of making something right or wrong. But sincerity could be the very thing, because I'm so sincere and I believe what I believe for so long, nobody's going to change that. Do you and I really want to live that way? Just because I believe it, that settles it. My parents taught me this. My grandparents taught me this. This is what I believe. I would humbly ask to possibly reconsider that. And again, just asking you to reconsider that. Not necessarily believe what I'm telling you, but consider that. I can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. And I don't think any of us would say here, sit here tonight and say, Oh, I love being wrong. It's one of my favorite things in the world to be wrong. I love being wrong. It just, but none of us is there. See, I, and I, I believe sincerely. But, but I found out myself, personally, I was wrong. I was totally wrong. And so, it, it, so let me just ask you a couple of questions when it comes to it. Does it matter what we believe? Just some questions here that may, may help. Um, it's not what you believe, but that you believe. Now, I have heard that so many times it 's not what you believe, but that that sounds so esoteric. It sounds so philosophically. I almost felt like I need to say that with a british accent it just It just seems so smart but not, so think about this it 's not what you eat, but that you eat Now, some of you tonight i kind of i kind of got that you know it just. But none of us live, none of us say, you know, I was going to eat the buffet here at Lakeview tonight, but, you know, I found a garbage can right down the street. It's really not what you eat, but that you eat. None of us live that way. None of us do that. How about this? It's not what you breathe, but that you breathe. I mean, I've just been looking for COVID vapors everywhere I can go. I mean, just that, that sounds, that sounds insane because it is insane. Okay. Uh, How about, it's not what you invest in, but that you invest. That GameStop thing, man, I was just, (laughs) I miss that GameStop thing. Um, Now, some of you may not agree with this one, but anyway, it's not what you marry, but that you marry. Now, I mean, some of us may be in that spot, like, you know, time's running out, um, but we just don't live that way, do we? So to to come up here with, you know, when it comes to religion, it's really not what you believe, but that you believe. Well, you don't live any other part of your life that way. You just don't. Why do we insist on checking our brain at the door when it comes to spiritual things or religious things? I just want to feel that. What the heck are you feeling when you feel that? And God said, again, believe it or not, I want you to use your mind when you come to me. Yes, your heart. I'm more than you can imagine in every aspect of your life. But don't throw your brain away. I've given you a brain to use thoughtfully, humbly. You know, it's, it's interesting because when we talk about these things, it's like, but, I mean, Jesus says on the way, the truth, and the life, but isn't that, uh, doesn't that sound exclusive? This is one thing that bothers me about Christianity. It's so exclusive. Maybe you've heard that. And you know what? It is exclusive. But hear this. All other religions are just as exclusive. They're teaching, though, different things. Christianity, biblical Christianity, does not teach what, what uh, Quran-centered Islam teaches or, or Buddhism teaches or Hinduism teaches. But they're teaching different... Some, some things kind of align in terms of the way we should treat one another. But in terms of the bedrock foundation of the faith, of, the, of these faiths, they're teaching different things. And if two... If two uh, religions or anything else two people are teaching two different things they're different they both can't be right at the same time either one is right and the other one is wrong or they're both wrong So the issue is not exclusivity the issue is is it true And that's why I think coming to the alpha course is so important so you get a chance to say to think through yourself Okay, what do I believe? I've never really thought hard about what I believe. I have thought more about my cell phone policy than where I'm going to spend the other side of my last heartbeat forever. Mm. So Jesus also said this. Said this, and this is good. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So, you know, and again, what the Bible teaches that we were made, the Bible teaches that we were made in the image of God but that we marred that image when in the garden our progenitors our great 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 grandfather and grandmother Adam and Eve sinned they rebelled against god now why does jesus say that he is the life growing up religious did you know that he said he is the life my question is what do i need your life for don't I just need to be a good boy? Don't I just need to be a good girl? Don't I just need to hope I die on a good day? Don't I just have to be better than, I, than, I, than the person next to me? Um, well, if you sincerely believe that, I, I have to sincerely question, have you really thought about that? Have you really examined that? See, in Genesis 3, this is what happens. Again, This is what the Bible teaches. Genesis 3. Take it or leave it. That the first two humans, Adam and Eve, uh, declared their independence from God when God set in the midst of the garden two trees. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And God said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The day you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. And we know what happened. They did. And immediately, they died. They died. They didn't drop dead physically, but they died in their relationship with God. And they began to die in their relationship with one another. They began to be this, where there never was that before. There was always this with God and with one another. They died to their relationship with God. They died spiritually and they began to die in their relationship with one another as this happened. And they eventually died in relationship to their physical bodies. And so Jesus says, I've come to give you life. I'm the life because you need, you know what you need? You need life. You need me. I am the life. And again, he doesn't point so much to his teaching as he points to himself. And the reason he teaches is to point to himself. We'll talk much more about that in session three. And that death left us heirs of a spiritual nature that wants what it wants when it wants it. And the heck with you! Doesn't matter whether we're two years old having a screaming fit over not getting our way, or we're forty-two years old having a screaming fit over not getting our way. The same as that, we want what we want when we want it, and it, it, that self-centeredness is proof that we have died to a relationship with a holy God. We want it our way. It was William Ernest Henley, he wrote up a poem called Invictus. And some of you may have seen the soccer match, which looks really good with Matt Damon. It was a, a, a movie about a soccer, no, rugby team, not soccer, rugby team. And this is the end of Henley's poem. Annette's father taught me this poem. He says, it matters not how straight the gate. Can I think about this? Jesus talked about the narrow way. It matters not how straight the gate, how fraught with punishment the scroll. I think he's thinking about the Ten Commandments here. He says this, I am the master of my fate, and I am the captain of my soul. You can't have it this way in God's way. Either either he is the captain of my faith and the master of my soul, or I am the captain of my faith and the master of my soul, and we'll see how that plays out. It's interesting. He said, "I'm the truth." He says he comes into Jesus comes into the midst of our self reliance and self independence, and says, "You're heading in the wrong direction." I'm the way you're believing a lie. I'm the truth. And when it comes to your relationship with me, you're dead, but I'm life and I want you to have my life. That's what I came to give you to fill you with me, my life, because you need folks. I needed his life. That's the truth. I needed more than anything else. Not a good scrubbing, I needed his life. John 10:10 10, 10 said, "I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly." Here's John 3:16. Maybe some of you are familiar with the scripture, but it's a powerful scripture when we play with it a little bit. For God so loved the world, that He gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have what we need. eternal life. Now again. This is kind of, you know, all over the cosmos here when God so loved the world. But what happens when I make that extremely personal and say that for God so loved Todd that he gave his son, that if Todd would believe in him, there's that word we're going to spend some time with, believe, would believe in him, should not perish, but will have God's life. For God so loved Keith. That he gave his son that Keith would not perish but have life. God so loved Patty. God so loved Chelsea. God so loved each and every one of us that if we believe in him, we would not perish. He came to rescue us is what this is. How are we going to have meaning and purpose for our lives? That's a good question. To which Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and truth the life. We're going to dig much deeper into this next week, but let's close out my portion here by going back to, to Shia LaBeouf. Hello, Shia. Um, here's what he said. I don't handle fame well. Most actors don't, these don't think they're worthy. We don't believe that. I have no idea where this insecurity comes from, but it's a God-sized hole. If I knew it, I'd fill it and I'd be on my way. So 34-year-old Shia LaBeouf is about to meet 400-year-old Blaise Pascal, mathematician, philosopher. This is what Blaise Pascal said in around 1600s, a little bit earlier actually than 1670 because he died before that. He said, there is a God-shaped vacuum. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person. I don't know if you knew that was there or not, but it's there. And it can never be filled by any created thing. It can only be filled by God made known through Jesus Christ. See, what are we doing? I mean, we are consumers as human beings, aren't we? We just can't wait to consume the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. I mean, we want this dash, as Americans particularly, to be filled with as much stuff as we can get. I mean, did you just feel like you died and went to heaven when Amazon showed up on your internet? I mean, just every day it's Christmas. Every day is Christmas. Uh, but I, I, obviously, you know, it, it, it didn't do it because we're still just consuming. Nothing wrong with consuming. I'm not condemning you for consuming. But I'm just saying it proves something, doesn't it? That was made for another world, as C.S. Lewis said. There's something more that God has set up. Well, think about this for a moment. What if all that frustration from all this stuff us Americans have is to prove to us nothing in your closet, in your garage, in your refrigerator, in your 401k, in your bank account actually gives ultimate satisfaction? No kids, no spouse, no nothing. Those things are wonderful. But these frustrations in this world and that, eh, that happens, I believe is God saying, hey, hey, you're looking in the wrong place. I'm letting you feel that so that you can see I am more. I am more. And I want you to know me. I don't want you to get all caught up in your church and all your prayers and all your other stuff. That's cool. But if you don't know me, you don't have anything. I have come to give you, I have come to give you life. Not rules. I've come to give you life. So, we're here for bit, how much longer, we don't know. But there is a moment coming. And when that moment comes, what do I believe? Next week, we're going to talk about who is Jesus. And... Um, this is, this is really good. A lot of people go, well, who is Jesus? Got, I grew up in America. Of course I know who Jesus is. You know what? I grew up in America too. And I didn't know who Jesus was. No clue. And next week, we're going to look into this. We're going to look into evidence for the Bible. Does it, can I believe the Bible? We're going to look at evidence for, the historic, uh, evidence, evidence for the historicity of the person of Jesus. We're going to look at the resurrection. Is that historical or just some religious fable? We're going to look at those things next week. It's worth coming back just that. If not even for that, just come back for the food. But, but, um, so I, how about you and me do that next for the next nine weeks or as often as you can come here. Um, but let's come together to explore if there really is more to life than this. Now we're going to take a quick break. There's coffee over there. Um, uh, but so what we're going to do is this, we're going to, we're going to come back real quick. We're going to go to just about quarter to eight to to nine, maybe at the latest, um, and we're just going to kind of kick these thoughts around. Now, look, you don't have to talk, all right? You don't feel like, don't feel any pressure to talk. Um, but I, I read an article once that I thought you th- think would be interesting here. Um, I'm going to go past this real quick. I told myself I wasn't going to do that. Um, happy people talk more and with more substance. So if you don't talk, we're just going to assume you're really depressed and shallow. So, <laughs> so you know, if, if you got a question, just... Just blurt it out. Some people say there's no such thing as a dumb question. I don't believe that. I have heard some really dumb questions, but but we won't tell you, even if it is. At least not while you're sitting there. We'll talk about it later. But no. We, so really, great opportunity now just to come. And we're going we're to take a quick break, and then we're going to spend some time with our tables. I want to thank you all so much for joining us via live stream, and want to thank you guys for being here tonight. Certainly hope to see you here next week. So Let's take a quick break. And gather back around our tables.